by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. And we achieve that this victory through our faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. You understand faith is something deeper than what you can just see. Put up there uh, Hebrews 11. One, if you have that up here. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will one day actually happen. It's putting something out there, even though it hasn't happened yet, it's still believing. Based on something that we can trust. It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. You can't see it. But you got to believe it. I want you to say with me, everything is not as it appears. Everything is not as it appears. <laughs> when I was a young man, I always got to start off telling on myself there. Long before I knew Jesus, you know, I was going to this little junior college down there in Mississippi, and I was there to play baseball mostly. I didn't care about the learning part, but I wanted to do good at baseball. That's what got me down there. So I was trying to concentrate on my baseball, but, of course, there's these girls, you know, all over the college, you know, and, and there's this one that caught my eye, and so I asked her out. Good-looking girl and everything, and, she said yes, so we went to this party at some guy's house. Like I said, this is before I knew Jesus. And, you know, and then there was a pool table, you know. And I remember shooting pool, and she was sitting on the other side of the pool table, a whole bunch of people in the room, and we were all having a good time. And in walks her ex-boyfriend that she had dated for like three years or something. So there's, you know, and he's giving me the evil. Well, I, you know. He was a pretty big old fella. He was on the football team and all, you know, but he was just like a, a wide receiver. He wasn't like a linebacker or nothing, so I wasn't real scared, you know. But uh, all of a sudden, he just walks over and says, this is the, the girl, which it ain't, but <laughs> maybe I need to use a different example. <clears throat> walks around the pool table and he just kicks the fire out of her shin and walks on and she's like ow and she cusses him out and he cusses her back and I'm on the other side of the pool table and I'm like I don't know this girl well you know but she is with me <laughs> and uh I don't know how to respond but I'm like he better not do that again and I'm not <laughs> So I go back to shooting pool. <laughs> I may have gave him the evil eye a little bit. And next thing I know, he goes outside, he comes back in, he walks through and kicks her in the shin again. And I said, that's it. I said, hey, you, meet, meet me outside. Well, everybody in there just loved to hear those words, you know. So they all go out and they're all expecting fight, 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 you know. And, and it's not uncommon at a, at a college party. Anyway, so we walk out there, and by the time we get out there to a patch of grass, I'm thinking, well, maybe we just need to talk this over. <laughs> and so he's standing there, and I'm standing there. Now, I'm not so dumb that I'm not prepared, but, but I, was, I was like, man, what are you doing? I was going to try to reason with him. I know he, they had a relationship. I, you know, I, I didn't know why it didn't look like a good relationship. <laughs> maybe that's why they broke up. But this crazy guy takes a swing at me. He don't want to talk about it. Well, let's just say, he didn't kick her shin no more after that. Uh, I ducked the punch, and, and, and uh, I, 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 you know, I took care of the situation. 
And then, after that, me and the girl started seeing each other a little bit, you know. And, and she was really being a major distraction to my baseball playing, what I was supposed to be doing in the first place. I didn't really have time for no girl in my schedule. But anyway, she was a kind of a distraction. But, you know, we would go out and, and uh, then there was this time. Did I tell you all about the time she almost got me killed? I'll tell you later. We got to get to our message. But there is a point behind this story. It's not just a waste of time. We're starting a new series today that I figured out late last night <clears throat> called Heaven is All Around Us. And today's message is just entitled Heaven is All Around Us. It's the part one of it. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15. This may be a basic teaching to some people, but oh, is it needed to others. It's needed to all of us. I worried at first. I said, God, is this just too simplistic, you know? But no. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. The scriptures tell us the first man, Adam, became a living person. I like what Daniel said Wednesday when he preached. If you wasn't here Wednesday, you sure missed it. He said that God breathed in Adam you know, he was, a, he, he was some dust in his hands, and he breathed in and made him a living human being, and the first breath that Adam took was the breath of God. I like that point, Daniel. The first breath that man ever took was the breath of God. The Scriptures tell us the first man, Adam, became a living person. He was meant to be eternal, live forever with God. That was God's plan. But it says the last Adam, that is Christ, our, our Lord Jesus, is a life-giving spirit. I don't know why they call him the last Adam. The first Adam messed up, and then Jesus came back and hit the reset button as the last Adam, so to speak. But he's a life-giving spirit. You know, when Adam ate of the apple of the tree you shouldn't ate of, it says, you shall surely die. And that's what happened. His spirit went dead. Jesus came back to give us a living spirit again. What comes first is the natural body. And then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made of the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, he came from heaven. Earthly people are just like the earthly man, and the heavenly people are just like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. It's maybe hard to understand a little bit, but basically what it was saying is, because of the sin of Adam, all died. We were all spiritually dead unto God. We were just earthly men, and we were going to die in our sins and trespasses. But Jesus came as a life-giving spirit, and those who have put their trust in him, now their spirit is alive. You have a new spirit. You've been born again in the spirit realm. You have a new life. But, of course, we know we're still living in this earth suit we call flesh, right? So basically what it's saying is, right now we're in a, a tweener stage. We still live in this flesh, but we have an eternal spirit. And there's coming a day where we'll see Jesus, whether we die or whether we're raptured, and we'll be like him. We'll be given this, this mortal body will take on immortality, the Bible tells us. And so we'll, we'll see him and we'll be like him. So we're in a betweener stage right now. And that's important to understand because even many born-again, spirit-filled Christians who should know better, still see this natural world as the main thing. Does that make any sense? We, we, what we can see with our eyes is the main thing to us. And we think of the spiritual world as just this hazy, partial reality, like it's something far off or not real or it's, it's spooky, it's like a mist, you know, spiritual things. We don't see them as real. We think we see through a glass darkly, so because we can't see, we don't understand. Does that make sense? But the truth is the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite. The spirit world is more real than that chair you're sitting in. You think it's holding you up, but one day that chair is going to turn rusty and fall over. 
But the things of God are eternal, and they're going to never, he, God is going to hold you up eternally. So the things of the Spirit are more real. That's what I'm going to try to get across to you today. Say, everything is not always as it appears. In Hebrews 8, verse 1, Apostle Paul says, they believe it's the Apostle Paul wrote Hebrews. Here's the main point. We have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. That's Jesus. There he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle, the true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not by human hands. Okay, are you getting it? There's a true tabernacle. There's a temple. There's a church in heaven that God built. And it goes on to talk about how uh, in the next few verses, how man has a temple down here and how they work in it and, and how it works and everything. And then in verse 5, it says, these men, they serve in a system of worship that is only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. Once again, making my point, the things down here are just a shadow. The real is in heaven. The things that we see are temporary. The things in heaven are the real. We don't understand that because we've grown up as earthly men. And we, we see and we believe what we see. But God is trying to get us to see that this is not it. This is only a shadow of the real. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, says, That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed day by day. Now, I can testify that I'm not as young as I was back in those days. My body's getting older and slower. That first punch might have landed, you know what I'm saying? If he tried, I probably wouldn't have the strength to, to fight him off today. I'm, I'm not the man I used to be. My body is growing slower, but not my spirit man. My spirit man is being renewed day by day. It's getting stronger and stronger, and that's the way it's going to be. That's the way the true life is. You see, we're three-part beings. And if you've never heard this uh, taught, it's very simple. We're body, soul, and spirit. Our body is our earth suit. It's what what allows to contain our soul and our spirit while we're here on earth and allows us to breathe the air and, and the, the, the life we live down here allows us to get through the day. But it's the one part that's dying because it died in the fall of Adam. We have a soul, which is basically your characteristics, your personality, who you are, your mind, everything in your mind, your will, and your emotions. You know, you, you, we all have emotions. You handle your life differently. You see things the way you're... We, we live in the soulish realm. We're always working on our soul. We're, we're renewing our mind. That's part of our soul to the Word of God. That's what we're doing here today. We're getting our soul to be like our born-again spirit. And then we have the spirit, which is the spirit of God living on the inside of us. It's eternal. You know, he came to give us eternal life, and he gave us the Holy Spirit. Amen? So we're three-part beings. And then it goes on in verse 17, says, Our present troubles are small, and they won't last very long. Doesn't seem like it now. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So what you're going through, God knows about it. He's with you in the fire. He's helping you through everything. And he knows it's tough on you, but he's saying, hold on, because that's not the end of the story. Verse 18 says, so we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. See, a lot of this is about our vision. We don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on what cannot be seen in the heavenlies, in the spiritual. For the things that we see now will soon be gone. But the things that we cannot see will last forever. And if you kept on going in the 
Chapter 5, verse 1 says, For we know that when this earthly tent calls it a tent, it's not even a house. It's just a tent blowing in the wind. This earthly tent we live in is taken down. That is, when we die and we leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not with human hands. Isn't that good news? How many of you deep down, and you may not even believe in Jesus or whatever, but deep down, you know that you were made to last forever? You see this body decaying, but you know your spirit, you know your soul, man, it's, it's eternal, man. I'm not just going to be, I've heard people say I'm going to die and they're going to put me in the ground and the worms are going to eat me. And that's going to be it. And it's going to be just, you're going to be shut off. But you know that ain't right. You can feel it. There is something eternal in the soul of man. So what's more real? The temporary things we can see now or the spirit world and the things eternal in the heavens? What do you invest all your thought into? What are you building up? Where is all your effort going? Is it in the temporary or the eternal? That's, that's pretty basic uh, thing that needs to be wrestled with. Romans 8, 5 says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, they mind the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded or fleshly is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That might be something to think about. Maybe if you're not experiencing life and peace, maybe you got your eyes on the wrong thing. Most of Jesus' is preaching and most everything he does in our life, it begins on a spiritual level. That's why the the world doesn't understand Jesus. That's why they see us teaching and they, they think it's gibberish. When he told the people that were walking with him, he said, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part with me. Well, they thought, like, this guy's crazy. We're out of here, dude. We're not cannibals. What kind of cult is this? They were gone. They didn't understand. Jesus was talking on a spiritual level. He was saying that I am the bread of life. I'm the word of God. And you feed on me. And it'll be nourishment to your spirit. They didn't understand that that blood he was talking about drinking is the blood of the new covenant which forgives our sins. And that's why we have communion with the bread and the, and the wine. See, he was talking on a spiritual level. The, the, the parables are on a spiritual plane. He says, so seeing they may not see and hearing they may not hear. He doesn't want the people that don't want to know to know. He wants those seeking after him to know. He doesn't want everybody to know the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Spiritual things must be discerned by the Spirit of God. And if you don't have the Spirit of God, you can read the Bible all day long and just be as ignorant as you started. That's why you have these professors with all these PhDs and, and plaques on their wall and can quote more scriptures than I can to have no clue about the things of God. Study the Bible for a living. That's why you had Judas. Been talking about him a lot lately. He betrayed Jesus because he was looking for a Messiah that was going to come down and set up an earthly kingdom. He wanted his kingdom now. That's the way many of us are. We're only concerned about the kingdom here. We're only concerned about the election. We've got our eyes on all the wrong things. We've got our eyes on the temporary things. But Jesus came. He came to set up a kingdom, all right, but it was a kingdom within the heart of man because that's what Jesus does. He works from the inside out. He put a salvation in you when you gave your heart to Jesus. And then he says, work out that salvation with fear and trembling. So it starts on the inside, and he works it out. Everything God does is from the inside out. And we only see the outside, so we're clueless half the time. But we've got to start looking within. 
We work it out. We don't work for it. We work it out, though. And so when you see somebody, a, a new brother or sister in Christ, and they're still struggling with some sins or something, don't be so quick to judge. You don't know what's going on on the inside. They're just as saved as you are. The salvation is there. It just ain't all worked out yet. Like Rocky said, there might be some stuff going around down in the basement. <laughs> right? Y'all need to watch Rocky Balboa. That was the last one. That was, the, that was as good as the first movie. Probably better. The, all the ones in between, I don't care nothing about, but the first and the last. This is the Rocky Church. We need to put that music on it before the service. Did I tell you? No, I don't, I don't need to go on a rabbit trail. Anyway, the, before I started this message, the Lord said, go back and look at your last three messages. I thought those were at random. That we were kind of like on a free-for-all, not on a series, and I would hear from, try to hear from God and teach something, and I thought they were just at random, you know. And uh, the Lord said, go back and look. And so I did. Three weeks ago, we, we preached on facing our insecurities, our fears. Then we, we had to learn to begin to deal with our fears and so forth and to realize that the end of the book has already been written and we win and that we don't need to be in fear and that God is with us. And then two weeks ago, we talked about be, just being overwhelmed with life, right? The busyness and the, the, the media and the overload. We talked about how the devil used to want to keep everybody ignorant. And that worked pretty good. But then he found a better plan. He wants to keep everybody overloaded with information. So that they don't care about anything. And you know you're getting like that. You see so much news. Now you can see 10 billion kids killed in Africa somewhere and did not even phase you. Well, yeah, that goes on all the time. We're losing our sensitivity. Anyway, we learned that we need to quieten our souls so that we can hear from God. And then last week, we talked about misconceptions about God, how, how even though we may know him on some level, there's more to know. And the more we know, the better it gets. And the better it gets, the better we can live our life with some kind of character like his and be an example to others because he wants to reveal himself to everyone, doesn't he? And so I looked at it and I said, okay, we, we talked on insecurity and fear about being overwhelmed and our misconceptions. And I thought, who is the author of these? Who is the author of confusion? It's the devil. It's the enemy. And I got to thinking, Lord, you've been dealing with us about spiritual warfare, and we didn't even know it. It doesn't surprise me to know that God had a plan even when I didn't. We've been learning about spiritual warfare and didn't know it. And why have we? I believe it's because we have a spiritual enemy. And most of us are completely ignorant to that fact. But just like we have good and we have evil in the world, in people, we have good, evil, light, dark. We have those same things in the spiritual world. That's where, remember, the real, the, what we call the real world, the natural world, it's just a shadow of the spiritual world. So what's going on in the spiritual world is causing what's going on in the natural world. And today we got Christians messing with Ouija boards and watching horror movies and going to psychic readings. And I'm not even going to mention what you may do with your children on Halloween and, and the, the darkness that we get involved with like it's all just fun and games. Like it's just a big, you know, like the devil's just, he's just a friendly guy with a pitchfork, you know. But he's out to destroy us. He's not playing. And when Jesus came, he wasn't playing either. Homie, don't play that. Jesus cast the devil out. He dealt with the devil everywhere he went. 1 John 3, 8 says, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. 
Not come to a compromise with the devil, but destroy the devil. Some of us wouldn't recognize the devil if he stood up in front of us in a red suit with a tail and a pitchfork. And some of us think that's what he looks like. Am I telling the truth? I mean, and we have new Christians, and and that's just where you're at, and I understand it. Some of you understand a little bit deeper. But the devil, he can masquerade as an angel of light. He doesn't come looking like you expect him to come. I've heard voices that I thought was the Lord because that's the way the Lord had spoke to me in the past, and I found out that ain't the Lord. You have to learn to discern. Say discern. discern. The devil, he tricky. I'll never forget that message that Bobby Burton gave here on a Wednesday night. He said, that devil, he tricky now. He tricky. Say, that, say, look at your neighbor and say, the devil tricky. Look at your other neighbor and say, he tricky. <laughs> and the demons. <laughs> hey, we can just look at our neighbor and tell. No. <laughs> Y'all, Chad, you done got me in trouble, man. You're getting me off script here. I'm just liable to say anything. <laughs> See, the devil, he tricky. <laughs> the devil made me do it. <laughs> anyway, I was going to say that the demons are many times, they're smarter than we are. I mean, when... Jesus would show up, they recognized, that's the Messiah. He's come to torture us. And the the knucklehead disciples walking around, they weren't sure yet. They've been walking with him for three years. The demons, first, the first one they said, that's the Messiah. They understood there was a war raging. The the demons were like, you remember when uh, Jesus came to the guy that was cutting himself out of the tombs and howling like a, a wolf or something, the crazy guy, he had all these demons, and Jesus says, He spoke to the demons in him and said, who are you? And they said, we're legion, because there's many of us. But what did they say? Send us into those pigs. I hope you ain't come to torment us before the time. You see, they understood. They understood Jesus wasn't playing, and they understood the, the consequences of this war are eternal. I think they're a little bit smarter than the devil himself because the devil still thinks he's got a chance <laughs> to win this thing. But the demons, they know, Jesus, you ain't going to throw us in the pit, are you? Because <laughs> we know you're coming. So he threw them in, he, he cast them into the pigs, and then the pigs ran down <laughs> and they killed themselves. I guess Jesus got a laugh out of that, I don't know. But... There's so many misconceptions that we have about who Jesus is and what he, you know, the devil wants us to be confused about this whole issue of spiritual warfare. That's why he has everybody portray Jesus as this little lamb-toting, nice, sweet fella. But if you look at the Gospels, that is not the way Jesus behaved. When it says Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and we, we imagine him driving in a Volkswagen bus, you know, doing this to everybody. Let me explain something real quick. Jesus is, came to provide peace between man and God. That's the peace that he came, but that's the only peace. In fact, he said in another place, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. He did not come to make peace with the enemy, and that's what's wrong with America today. We think if we're nice enough that, that they'll capitulate and we'll all just get along can't we all just get along no you can't get along with evil evil wants to get the first punch in i am preaching real good it ain't me colossians two fourteen says jesus counseled the record of charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to his cross maybe somebody needed to hear that Your sins were nailed to Jesus' cross. He paid the penalty. Ask for your forgiveness and stop trying to pay for the penalty that's already been paid. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He took all their weapons away. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. 
He not only whooped them, he shamed them. Yahweh, our Lord is a warrior. He understands that there is a fight. But he didn't war against the Roman soldiers or against the Jews. It wasn't against flesh and blood. He knew who the enemy was. He was against those spiritual rulers of the darkness. And he demolished the authority of the devil forever over our lives. He won the victory. The victory is already provided. And he wasn't afraid. Why would the light be afraid of the darkness? The only reason you're afraid to go into the dark is because you watch too many bad movies and you've been on the dark side too much. And you're putting too much emphasis on the, the devil. He should be under your feet. Light overcomes darkness every time you walk into light. You won't be afraid of the devil. You know what Jesus, he's already got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. It's, it's a done deal. FDR says, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. And it's so true. Fear should have no place in the life of a Christian. We should not be afraid. You need to, you need to know in whom you have believed, so to speak. 1 Corinthians 15 57 says, but thank God, he gives us the victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only thing we can't do is let the devil talk us out of the victory in which we stand. Like he did Adam and Eve in the garden. They were standing in complete victory. They walked with the Lord in the cool of the evening. They had everything they could desire. And the devil came in and talked them out of it. I think about Esau. Knucklehead, he's out hunting. He's just a fleshly guy, you know. And he comes back in tired and hungry. And he sees his brother Jacob. The name Jacob means swindler, and you'll see why. Jacob says, I'll give you some of this soup if you'll give me your birthright. You see, Esau was the firstborn. A birthright was important back then. It meant you had privileges, you know, inheritance-wise and so forth. We've been given a birthright. And Esau, he's so carnal, all he can see is the right here and the right now and what's on the TV guide today. That's the way he lives his life. Or hunting and fishing or golfing or shopping or whatever that's so important to you, the here and now, that he's willing to trade his birthright for it. Don't get caught up so caught up in this natural world that you forget you have a birthright. And he traded it and God hated it. And the devil paraded it. No, I'm just stopping. You ought to see how many times Angie's just going. <laughs> That's the only face I see while I'm preaching. <laughs> Romans 8.37 says, Nay, in all things we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. We've been made more than conquerors. The word conquer is a verb, people. A verb expresses action and occurrence. A state of being. That's what a verb is. And we've been made more than conquerors. Edmund Burke said the only thing necessary for tr the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Look at your neighbor. Say, get into action, Jackson. Is Jackson in here? We're supposed to be victorious warriors in Christ's army. That's who you were made to be. You remember the movie? How many have seen the movie Lion King? If not, the next few minutes are going to be boring to you. <laughs> but you remember the movie? There was Mufasa, the dad, and Simba, his, his son, that was supposed to take over when, when he left. Well, Simba, he, ignorant as the day is long, just like just a kid... Like we are, you know, we, we grow up and we don't know any better and we're just eager to see what's over on the dark side. You remember, he kept wanting to go in, out of the pride lands out into the dark side. Meanwhile, Scar, played by the devil, has these evil plans 
to get rid of the get rid of the heir to the kingdom. Ends up that Mephasa has to give his life to save Simba. Do you remember that part? Mephasa gave his life to save Simba. And you would think Simba would come around. But no, he continues to listen to Scar. And he lets Scar continue to get him off path. Before you know it, he's hanging out with some warthog and a prairie dog. <laughs> named Pumbaa and Timon. You remember that part? Singing a Kuna Matata. <laughs> Which means no worries. Acting like nothing matters. And some of you, you you've been hanging out with warthogs and prairie dogs. <laughs> or you have in the past. Maybe you are now. Maybe you're sitting around eating bugs. I don't know. <laughs> Breaking wind, whatever y'all do. <clears throat> and you're thinking, if I don't think about it, everything will be okay. Akuna Matata. Right? And you think you can drink your problems away or snort your problems away. But you found that they don't go away like that. <laughs> and then meanwhile, Scar and his pack of wild demon hyenas. Is that how you say it, hyenas? I'm from Mississippi. They hyenas. Just like, open up me a package of them hyenas, sweetie. <laughs> Put them on a cracker. We're going to eat. That's some good eating in the... Okay, Scar and his pack of demon hyenas, they have no right to rule the pride land. They're not supposed to be on the throne of your life. So we got to take what's ours. We got to stand up and claim our spiritual authority as kings and priests unto our God. Have you seen the shape that the pride land is in? You remember the movie? You remember how dark it became when Scar was ruling? But when Simba finally stepped in, into his rightful place on the throne, came back alive. Well, what do I do, Pastor Guy? I don't know how to, how to, how to do all this. What, what are you, what are you, well, we're going we're gonna to teach on that coming up. But the first thing we got to do is just wake up. Just wake up. It's sad that I have to preach a whole message just to let you know that there is a war going on. We've lived this long, and I didn't even know there was a war going on. And you're in the middle of it. You're the object of the enemy. we got to be sober and alert because the enemy is stealing our birthright. None of us are living where we should be living. None of us are as fruitful as God intends because we've got our eyes on natural things and not on our birthright. Our birthright was cut in the blood of our Savior, Jesus. It's a pretty important deal. It's the new covenant in which we stand. The war is won. The victory is ours. The question is, do you believe it? Will you claim it by faith and walk in it? That's the battle right there for what you believe. See, the devil has no power over you only to trick you into not understanding the things of God or to make you believe a lie or to get you to sit around singing a kuna matata. Just ignorant of the devil's devices. You remember where we started this message? So many eons ago, about 20 minutes ago. 1 John 5, 4, for every child of God defeats Another verb, this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. And then we said, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 10. Verse 3, we're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. Why? Because we're these tweeners. We're human, but we have the Spirit of God. 
We use God's mighty weapons because we have access to them. Not worldly weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. So there, that reveals the enemy's weapons right there. Strongholds, false arguments, lies. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God by renewing our mind to the things of God. That's how you recognize the counterfeit because you know the truth so well. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. King James says the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Where are strongholds found? In your thinking, in your mind. Things you may have believed all your life. Your mama may have taught it to you. You thought it was the truth, but then you were confronted by the Word of God. And you had an opportunity to renew your mind to the truth because this is the truth. It's not all relative. It's not just do it if it feels good like the world wants you to believe. There is a truth, and there is a responsibility to that truth. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. See, it's the thoughts that we have to bring into captivity to the Word of God. Our thoughts get so astray. We're like little onions. We're so wrapped up in things that's happened to us and and false teachings and, and our own imaginations and all these high things that try to oppose the Word of God. But a Christian gets into the New Testament and finds out what's his inheritance. It's the new covenant. He finds out what the promises are and what the truth is, and he begins to live on the foundations of truth and not just by his own experience. Because the Word of God is more real than that chair you're sitting on. It's more eternal. It will always stand. It will be here long past any of these chairs are here. And these chairs have been here a long time. So, did I tell you about that girl in junior high, junior college? About how she got me in that fight on her first date and then she wasted all my time? Did I tell you how she really tried to get me? I don't know what I did to her. But anyway, I got to where I was concentrating on my baseball, didn't see her for a while, and, and uh, next thing I know, I think she called me or something, said she wanted me to come take her out or something. It was like on a weekend, and we weren't at school, so she lived in this small town. She said, there's this new nightclub I want us to go to or whatever, so I, w- I drove and, and picked her up, and we went to this new nightclub. You know how in a small town, everybody knows everybody. So when I come walking up in there, probably with the prettiest girl that town had, little town. Every it was like a bunch of prairie dogs in there. <laughs> you know, they was all looking. And I noticed all the guys, they was giving me the evil eye. I didn't think nothing. You know, like I said, I was real naive back in those days. I just didn't catch on quick at all. And so we walk up in there and, and these are all people who know her obviously and we sit down and we talk and I keep noticing everybody's still looking at us, but I'm trying to just pay attention. And eventually, she says she has to go to the restroom. She gets up and leaves, and about three big old guys come walking over to the table. You with her? I'm not going to say her name. I said, yeah. They said, you see that guy down there? That's her boyfriend. I'm like, well, he ain't doing something right. (laughs) Because she's here with me, you know. You know what happened? I can't tell you later. We're running out of time. i got to tell you now. I don't know how many legions of angels God had to call down to get me out of that situation, but somehow there was no ruckus started and we got out good. But what's my point? I don't know. 
the enemy doesn't always come with a little tail, a red suit, and a pitchfork. He can come looking like a nice, attractive human being. But he's always coming to set you up. I didn't even think about it until years later. <laughs> I was a little slow. But I realize now she brought me in there to make her boyfriend jealous. She put me in harm's way to make her boyfriend jealous. But demons, they don't want to talk it out. They want to get in the first punch. I'm telling you how the devil works now. He wants to distract you like she was distracting me when I was supposed to be about what I was supposed to be about. She wasn't leading me to nothing good. She was trying to get me to do stuff I shouldn't do, taking me to all these parties and getting my mind off of where I was supposed to be. And that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to distract you. And if he can't beat you one-on-one, -on -one, he's going to try to lure you over into his territory where they can gang up on you. And look, Christians had not got nothing to be afraid of if they stay under the shadow of the Almighty. But if you venture out and you're over in the, what is it, what do they call it in Lion King? Out into the wilderness of some sort? Huh? The elephant graveyard? Oh, if you're in the elephant graveyard, you're in serious problems. You done got yourself in a mess. You should be afraid. And, and I don't know why this is coming to me, but I'm just going to say it because it's been on my heart because I see a lot of things. And I, as a pastor, I see young couples, they get free of drugs, they come in here, and they get plugged up with the church, and they get their life back on track, and they get, they're excited for, for a while. And maybe five, six months later, they begin to think, you know, I don't need the church as much anymore. And, and I think I'm, I'm brave enough now. I'm off drugs. I'm off alcohol now. Now I don't, I don't need to come as, to church as much anymore. I can just, you know, I can miss. We can go to the lake this Sunday or, you know, I'm going to start drinking again, but I'm not going to do drugs anymore. I know better than that. And it becomes a slow fade. That's the enemy just getting you back over into his territory. I see it time and time again. You've got to stay with your first love. This is where you were designed to be, to grow, to say stay, to say stafe. If you want to say stafe, say it right now, stafe. You know. Stop dating the devil. If you have Pumbas and Timons in your life. Kick them out. They're keeping you from being who God called you to be. Recognize the devices of Scar. Now, like I said, we're going to close. Next week, we'll, we'll delve deeper into spiritual warfare. What are some things that we can do? Practical things. We're going to talk about, well, we'll talk about them then. But in the meantime, I just want you to know that you have the victory you have the victory. There's nothing for you to be afraid of if you're staying with the Lord. And, and you have so much more victory than you even know. Than you're living right now. You think some of, I've talked to people, there's, man, I'm as free as I'll ever be. I am so, man, I am so right. You know, life is grand when I get up in the morning, you know. I, I got so much excitement for the day. But it can get better. There is more. You can never delve deep enough into the things of God. We'll close with 2 Kings 6.15. It's the story of Elisha. Him and one of his servants get trapped, and an enemy surrounds them, wanting to kill him. In verse 15, it says, When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and he went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Maybe that's why your life seems right now. You don't see a way out. All you see is the enemy surrounding you, and they got me tied down. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your job or whatever. Everything is stacked against you. And this servant says, oh, sir, what shall we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. And Elisha told him, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Remember, fear is the exact opposite of faith.
We establish our lives on faith. That's where our victory is. Not on the things that you can see, but on the things that you can't see. He said, don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. You just can't see it with your natural eyes. Then Elisha played, uh, prayed, oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw the hillsides around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. If you could see into the spiritual world and know how God protects, how God provides, how your children's angels ever behold the face of the Lord, how the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. If you knew the promises of God and you stood in them and, and just, just seeking God and, and staying out of, out of the dark side, if you knew, our lives will be changed. Everything is not always as it appears. So don't be afraid. Open your eyes, your spiritual eyes. Heaven is all around you. Sound like the movie theater. It's all around you. <laughs> Heaven is all around you. And all of God's armies are at your disposal if you will believe and you will speak forth that which you need. Believe it, speak it. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.